0: You uh, did some serious combat operations here, what what do you think was the most important thing you learned while you were actually fighting these people? Well, the uh, most important thing I learned is the violent execution of a good plan is probably the key to its success. Like when we uh, used about a pound of C-4 to blow off a door, the uh, election headquarters back here, we probably took off a large portion of the uh, roof and the back quarter of the building. And Do you uh, think that a uh, pound of C-4 might have been overkill? No, there's really no such thing as overkill here, as far as I'm concerned. It's you need to make sure you kill them and kill them good. Is that pretty much your philosophy? Yeah, it's the old sledgehammer on the net kind of thing that I like. I understand. Uh, is it true that uh, you used to train your platoon uh, live-fire uh, exercises by shooting at hamsters and other small animals? Right. Uh, right. We used to, you know, shoot and kill and eat live hamsters. Uh, you know, anytime we got the opportunity. Thank you.
1: Hello, welcome back to the Outliers. This is part two of the Invasion of Panama. I am your host McLean. With me as always is Tyler. Joining us for the first time is Julio, and joining us for the first history episode is Deimos. How are we all feeling about the history of Panama so far?
0: I love Panama. Beautiful country.
1: Great song.
2: Wild ass history, fuck colonialism, all that jazz. Forgot to mention it in the last episode. Julio gave a, a good brief synopsis of the history of Panama. Uh, Mike Duncan has an entire podcast series which covers most of the revolutions in South America and Latin America called <laughs> Revolutions. It's amazing. It's like 10 years of podcast.
1: Mike Duncan is like probably the most like experted history person that does podcasting and unlike me isn't just yeah. like a dipshit with a general history
0: interest. So yeah, go check him out for sure.
1: He's <laughs> also, he's series. also
0: yeah his series on the soviet union is real good he's also one of like the only big podcasters that's not like a right-wing fuckhead like like uh hardcore history i'm pretty sure that guy's like right wing like he's like or he's... he's a a mainstream conservative yep
2: yeah he's definitely because he has some really good writing and some really good podcast.
1: i didn't know like, i didn't know that i but i i guess that makes sense because he had a uh, a podcast that was
2: like on the pol- side like, on political history, and then once Trump won, he was like, "I fucking like I give up." Like, so I think he's more like centerline conservative, but like he literally gave up on his political
1: commentary. Like, so uh, let's uh, let's talk about Operation Just Cause.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Rico and Rodriguez. I love these video games.
1: <laughs> I have been really wanting to play them because I started watching some walkthroughs of those games while I was editing this episode, like the script. I played oh. Just Cause
0: 3 only because I had, I got it for free on PlayStation is he good only play three. Good. Oh, three, three is the only like good one okay like, um sandboxes. so
1: just operation just cause might seem to portly named. there's actually a good amount of causes that built up so there was other plans such as a coup that led to the capture of a cia agent and these began as early as 1988 operation nimrod dancer was really the first beginning of kind of hostilities between noriega and u.s and non-noriega panamanians This also comes out with an election where a strong anti-Noriega coalition kind of won. Um, Guido Endero was chosen, and Noriega, as Noriega's chosen president, um, there was a, by, like, what was essentially a, a, like, three-to-one margin, he kind of basically noriega was no longer welcome because like i said he in the last episode i talked about he had publicly tortured and dumped a man's body and i I mentioned he was dumped in costa rica too like so he wasn't even dumped in panama he was dumped in a different country so yeah he he had crossed a lot of lines and a lot of people this was just going downhill from him He eventually again deployed the dignity battalions to, or battalions to threaten people and scare people into voting in his favor. The victory, uh, was, he summed it up, the victory against him was, oh, this is obviously foreign intervention, boy, where have I heard that before? And resulted in in violent actions against the other people, and actually declared it like legal to go attack these opposition leaders that were against him. Like he's like yeah, no, it's, it's it's le- it's legal to terrorize I mean, them.
0: This is standard dictator stuff, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, in the Philippines, you just you just declare someone's a drug dealer, and then you can shoot them.
1: Yeah, and uh You're Russian, you just poison them. <sighs> yeah. Um. <laughs> this will be the last episode for all of us. Um Bring it.
0: Uh, (laughs) Bring it. I own a I honor the Soviet Union.
1: (laughs) FSB agent playing that back to you as he ducks your head in water. (laughs)
0: um i took one semester of krav maga i think i can handle myself against anyone who comes after me i own a trench knife which is funnily enough what they would have used to kill people in 1903 when so, they invaded
1: Panama. <laughs> so um uh, yeah so the results of course were annulled um this was obviously rigged against noriega of course it was the u.s feared for the lives of citizens so like i said operation nimrod dancer troops were deployed to protect u.s citizens there which also nimrod dancer a great name for an operation.
0: Is this kind of like Operation Market Garden where it's one operation that precedes another one? No, because this wasn't
1: a failure it's just like in that I think it's more of the thing like because this is a distinctly different operation this was just the order to protect all of the US citizens there so this is like yeah this is like checkpoints were set up and stuff is why it had to be called an operation however favor would quickly run out as incidents would proceed when a few incidents would happen that would be officially kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back as they say. So I want to talk really quickly about global politics. And we have a lot We have a lot of tit-for-tat interactions with countries that we hate, like Iran, Russia, and China. And, you know, we can have bad interactions, but eventually they'll be balanced out. Like, it's not all going to be complete, you know, okay, fuck it, we're stepping, kicking down your door and taking everything you have. Mainly because there's usually some sort of leverage. If you are a bigger country like Russia, China, or America, that leverage happens to be nukes. Some countries yeah. also have friends that have nukes now noriega lacked both of those things
0: because noriega had no friends
1: yeah and he he had no one to turn to he had killed way too many revolutionaries to side with any of the other communists in south america he was incredibly unpopular for working with the cartels the soviet union sure as hell wasn't going to bail him out the chinese weren't going to help him and the u.s was after him so he really kind of had his back against a wall but you know it's more like he was leaning against a fence post and there were like hungry dogs everywhere
0: and, and you he know really
1: he... dug his own grave the most the cia gave him as a heads up being kind of his lat the last people went and talk to him with a you're fucked basically like yep it, your time's coming they basically said like good luck you're <laughs> fucked Hey, with
2: you Noriega know who we've been too? giving you all, all this lunch money? We're not going to give you that anymore.
0: <laughs> see, with Noriega, too, like, so in Latin America, specifically, there is a, like, in Latin American geopolitics or regional politics, whatever they're called, like, because they're not really regional because Latin America is massive and it's not really global because it's just Latin America. There is a, a kind of concept you see that we have each other's backs, but this is 1989. All of Noriega's neighbors are owned by the United States.
1: Yeah. So I did mention earlier there was a coup attempt and this failed, leading to the capture of a CIA agent.
2: That was uh, Mr. Muse.
1: Yes. Who has a, yeah. written a lot of books. Really interesting fella. Yeah. <laughs> Date has opinions on him.
2: Well, the thing is, he was running like anti Noriega like, radio stations and shit. So
1: yeah. He was mm-hmm. just
2: a fucking rogue radio station guy that got rounded up yeah. well, obviously he was involved in trying to overthrow him too but like that i yeah. just thought that part was yeah
1: um so this all led to huge training operations under the order of general thurman in the u.s that basically everybody from the squad to the battalion level started training he insisted that all units remain in the field until they qualified with all their weapons and everybody was involved army navy marines air force this was going to be a huge operation and was building up to be huge even at this point you know i think reaching out for hopes there was a alleged bombing plot against the training soldiers in panama too and there was some fear about around bombings because in 1983 there was a bombing in brute against u.s soldiers I wouldn't say that these were like the first kind of these bombings, but this was kind of a start of a new era where it's like you could have car bombs or like bombs where no one was around. This had somewhat started in Vietnam and other places, but this was newer in the terms of being like a legitimate warfare tactic when you're a smaller force. Uh, And they were afraid that this was possible because the Medellin cartel, Medellin, Medellin, Medellin. Cartel had actually pulled off a bombing against an aircraft before, so they they believed this threat, and it was a known tactic of them to use bombings. And they knew Noriega had ties. The exact moment that led to this war happening was the night of December 15th. A group of U.S. officers looking for fun on Saturday night outing made a wrong turn and approached Pan- Panamanian defense forces. This led to the Panamanian defense forces smashing at the car, hitting screaming slurs at the soldiers on board. The officer behind the wheel panicked and drove off. This led to gunshots being fired at their car, um, which resulted in the death of Robert Paz, who is a a Marine. Um, He died of his wounds, and they also didn't know where a hospital was, so there was another Marine, another soldier was wounded too.
0: Uh, Funnily enough, do you know what Paz, his last name, do you know what that means?
1: No. Peace. Huh. That is ironic. This is why I'm glad to have a Spanish speaker on. A couple who witnessed this were also captured, a junior naval officer and his wife. They were brought in by the Panamaine police and questioned, <laughs> questioned, and they assaulted him by repeatedly threatening, repeatedly threatening to assault his wife and punching him in the groin over and over again. Eventually, they realized that they weren't the people they were after, so they released them with as little harm as possible done
0: as little harm as possible
1: <laughs> you have to understand why i say for what was fairly little harm done yeah, how brutal they, they, they just dick punches they did, they, yeah they
0: didn't soft their genitals or anything. yeah
1: they like didn't like castrate <laughs> him or like rip his toenails out so for the pdf that's pretty good if anything jackasses prove
2: that genital male genitals are pretty tough <laughs> yeah
1: oh god yeah seriously the forces had chloros like I said, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. An American was dead, and a civilian had been wrongfully arrested by another government. Any See, any other government, like, if this was their first offense, could probably talk their way out of it. Like, it yeah, host-
0: like how, when, how when Saudi Arabia recently killed a, a U.S. national in Turkey, and were just like, here's some money.
1: The thing is, though, that bridge had been burned a long time ago with Noriega. On December seventeenth, the meeting, the seventh invasion, in uh, took, was went into motion. Um, Secretary Cheney, yes, that one, didn't want to act right away, and I'm not gonna say anything, but I'm gonna use the word. So Bush was a, in the CIA around the same time that noriega was starting to work for the cia um so i'm not implying anything but i think that there might have been some fear that there would be accusations of maybe cheney being tied to noriega or something or not cheney uh bush well, i'm not saying anything but there's uh, a, a chance that maybe there was a fear that like noriega would try to reach for something so Ch- so powell oh by the way general Powell's the one trying to convince cheney here a lot, a lot of names coming up here yeah. yeah
0: now, we're in, now we're at the end of history period, or, or history is about to end. <laughs> or yeah, so there's and then be a lot of <laughs> familiar
1: names. Yeah. Yep. Um. So Cheney, so Cheney was reminded that Blue Spoon had been refined in practice. That was the original name of Operation Just Cause. Operation Blue Spoon. We'll get into that later. And there was no better way to execute. Some uh, people were working through. Uh, they had a working relationship with Noriega. Oh, god damn it! I lost my place sorry may i edit this out i like just me or does blue spoon sound kind of dirty <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah it spoons. sounds it sounds like something i would say in spanish to turn on a white girl i don't know it's, it <laughs> sounds like one of those like viral like disgusting videos that they that would go around back in like the late 2000s that you would like tell your friends like oh look up blue spoon and then it's like the most oh, you mean... thing you've ever seen oh, yeah. oh you mean like a rusty venture
1: oh god stop stop it stop <laughs> off my pie um so Jerry powell reminded cheney uh so you know we had had a working relationship and he'd violated too many human rights to go unnoticed um senator john Kerry, who was a very outspoken member of the senate at the time had actually began a coalition against noriega within the senate and it was like a fairly popular coalition too like yeah, let's go after the guy who's committed several human rights violations. And Noriega was kind of he, no longer a hypothesis. He was no longer in a good corner with anyone. I can't drive this in enough. So sanctions weren't going to cut it because he had already kind of been, you know, dealing with that. So being convinced, the heads of the military plans, you know, basically said that, like, listen, they explained to Bush that, listen, this is going to be the best way to do this. Bush was hesitant. reminder that he was in the room during the failed operation to rescue hostages from Iran and had also witnessed the problems that were faced in Granada. So Bush was kind of familiar with military operations gone sideways and was afraid of how that could present during him. And also, so speaking of Iran.
0: First term Bush.
1: Yes, this isn't a second term Bush who wasn't going to get term again. This was first term Bush who was kind of. I had to play his cards right
0: and uh clearly that didn't work
1: out. so does anybody want to hear a fun a fun little antidote about noriega and uh iran
0: uh, Let's did, go he stand with, did he, of course, stand with the People's Theocratic Republic of Iran?
1: Yes, he uh, actually hosted the Shah and double-charged the government and the Shah so he could make more money, picking out a mansion for him. Because the U.S. needed a place for the Shah to go, not in the U.S., so the hostages would be safe and with someone who was seemingly unfriendly towards the U.S. Noriega was happy to ob- oblige.
0: Oh, so you're saying he stole the Shah's money for the for
1: yeah. the Ayatollah? Yes. No, not for the Ayatollah. Like, it was for Noriega. He stole Noriega, looking out for Dubro Uno.
0: Ayatollah Noriega of Iran, obviously.
1: So, like I said, this the shadow of this the siege of the Iranian embassy and the failed operation to rescue them, as well as Granada kind of haunted Bush, and he knew what that could do to the reputation of a politician... So he had a lot of questions. Would the plan work? Did it have to be that big? Bush wanted to snatch Noriega. Have her pal emphasize that even if Noriega escapes, the PDF must be dismantled. The massive operation could uh decimate the. Fo- they, like they needed to, to to basically destroy the PDF and all the uh, dignity battalions in order to guarantee that Noriega, even if he escaped and did return, he wouldn't have an ability to take back power. To ever come back, yet. yeah. so a full invasion seemed necessary to prevent the PDF from essentially seizing or hurting citizens. And so it was Greenway with the words, and uh, who wants to be President Bush for a second and read his line here? I do,
0: I do, I do. Okay. okay. Can't do, I can't do a very good Bush, I'm sorry.
1: Tyler, well, this I is can't you. either, but I just... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did he? I sorry. put it in general. Just
0: read it exactly
1: how yeah. it Okay, let's do it. The with it. Uh-huh. Oh wait, I missed a word.
0: I was gonna say. No, it's funnier that way. The with, it. Actually... the with that's... it. That's... No, that's not Bush. That's if you're W, you're like, yeah, let's do it. The with it. The with my it. <laughs> my name's my name's W.
1: I accidentally hit the uh, remove button when I pasted it. Anyway, I I fixed it. Ed- so edit that out. Yeah, and that uh. uh, Anyway, uh, Tyler, read that the new one. H hour began on the morning of December twentieth. H hour is kind of like these are like we are go. This is we're leading in, so this would kind of be like one. Like I said, one the chosen time to begin was special. Operate was at night at like one a.m. For uh, special operations troopers and airborne troopers who had the advantage of night vision technology, that though new was still an edge up on modern warfare that most other groups did not have at the time. And actually, like a quick side note, like how much night vision goggles are sort a of thing. This is a big problem Russia is facing right now. Is that they do not have a lot of the uh, essentially domestic resources to make night vision goggles. Um, so they fi- have quite a few units who do not have them. Whereas Ukraine is being imported night vision goggles by happy donors, which NATO, when you, yeah. yes, which, uh, people doing donation drives for Christ's sake. Yeah, no, they're like, like literally people buying like off the shelf stuff and saying there, but as I was saying, when you have the ability to see at night and your enemy doesn't, it gives you a leg up, even if it's kind of these, like I said, less elegant and heavier night vision goggles that they were using in 1989. So, you know, just kind of, um, yeah, so back to uh, December 17th, um, the advance party was led down, uh, and, you know, at 1500 on December 18th, Stafford deployed forward-headed bases, essentially like bases along the border. Uh, General Steiner was given control of the mission on December 19th, and crews began loading forces for D-Day, minus one. So, uh, I didn't realize that, I guess, D-Day is kind of just a general invasion term. Yep. Like, so, it's like, yeah. H-Hour and D-Day, it's just...
0: Yeah.
2: It's just, like, the start of the... Oper- the day of the operation starts, and H-Hour being, like, the actual... Like, when the operation is starting. Like, when the first man jumps out the door, or the first shot's fired, or the first mm-hmm. event, like...
1: Yeah, so, like, minus, so, minus one is, like, the day of, and then plus one is usually the days after... Uh yeah, 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 be the days plus and H hour plus one is one hour after so on and so forth yeah. in terms of military. Um so Dick Cheney followed this closely. Uh the secretary, you know, wanted to, was very critical of the use of F one seventeen stealth aircraft um against against several targets that were hideouts and air bases. Um to quote, uh come on guys. How severe is the Panama air defense threat. Once the press broke, he knew that there would be a lot of criticism of using these uh, criticism of using these incredibly expensive aircraft. but you know they kind of wanted to use limit strikes because their only real threats of the PDF units uh, units were the hardcore loyals within the sixth and the seventh. They were kind of the most loyal and elite of the PDF forces much of the rank and file and this would kind of be very true later on were expected to surrender and not have as much and they wanted less essentially they wanted to kind of less how do i put this less annihilation more of like a stripping of the forces right
0: right right i mean that that's pretty common with like lower ranking like in a military dictatorship it's usually only the elite the good at war
1: the goal was to gut the loyalists not everyone They did have other options, and we'll go over them real quick. Option one, B-52 bombers. They didn't want to turn Panama into a crater, so that was rolled off.
0: Well, I mean, you talk about that, like Panama, they didn't want to turn Panama into a crater, but, like, Panama, for, you know, all of its shortcomings, did have, like, Russian high aircraft. Yeah, but, like... They had actual stuff. Yeah,
1: but, like, to talk real quick, like, they gave up, they were presented with other options, but they kind of said, like, essentially B52s even though they could fly at very high altitudes which would be able to deal with some of those Russian anti-air defenses they were more concerned about doing too... they they, they wanted hearts and minds this a lot so yeah. they wanted uh, the very
0: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, they
1: didn't want they wanted to list destruction. These were the reasons they gave Cheney.
0: See, I'm not used to the United States being hearts and minds kind of stuff. <laughs> and that the was
1: United the same States...
2: like in the that was the same thing with the F117s so just had the capabilities precision exactly. strike
1: early precision bomb. they didn't want to use other jets such as like F15s or F16s because they wanted to save those to deal with any any air threats the and there was also just not enough they also had the same suggestion of apache helicopters but there was too many refuelings and not enough available because they didn't want to pull any of the support helicopters away from the ground forces that were going to be used um and keep in mind even though i i say this is post-cold war this is 1989 the cold war is still kind of going on so there's still a lot of forces in europe and other places so yeah, the soviet
0: union just has cancer and they don't know yet <laughs>
1: i mean the soviet union's crumbling but it's still kind of so there is shift another option was the ac-130 however would have been too much fly time and again refueling would have ne- needed to be much greater they did use a lo- those a lot they did yeah but they again they couldn't run those as the sole like air yeah the f-17 was meant to operate at night which is when this would begin and had precision ground strike munitions Side note, during de- Desert Storm, these planes would be vital to the early SEAD operations. Kempf actually re- recommended the plane, it was the Air Force head at the time, because of its precision abilities with its munitions. Um, a real, like, a quick side note, like, one of the ways that they figured out, like, during early SEAD operations against, like, radar stations and stuff and communications is, like, there was these, this kind of image that's being told of, like, general during Desert Storm that generals were, like, watching CNN in and like local news channels in the war room, to wait for the TV towers to be hit, and like when they knew a TV went out, they knew the operation was successful. I'm not sure how like true that is, but that's an interesting image that has been painted in my head. Yeah. So the last thing that kind of uh came up, up was the issue of the name. Uh, General Lindsey asked Kelly if he really wanted to his grandchildren also general kelly another familiar name if he really wanted to lead his opera tell his grandchildren he led operation blue spoon blue soon had had done a good job of essentially keeping eyes away from the uh, training and all that and all the movements but you know they uh wanted some better names because you know who wants to be part of operation blue spoon Deimos, do you Julio?
2: Honestly, be much more memorable than
1: the other. Just, so the other choice was just action, um, which was the first recommendation. But Pouch agreed that just cause sounded better. It just cause. is those the, the era better. of obsessing with like. <laughs> well, and like somebody like somebody calls this as the era of TV wars, and I think that's like a good description for this.
0: See, uh, with the name like Gloose
1: Go ahead. do it
0: uh with a name like blue spoon it actually just makes me want to resist it see with just cause it makes me want to join the operation but with blue spoon i just want to join the pdf
1: <laughs> yeah um <laughs> nobody likes blue spoons come on so i'm a red spoon guy myself yeah so uh, you know <laughs> the red solo cups scenario. <laughs> the gay day game day fuck um <laughs> game day game day game day so this is the section I've call I call game day because you know this is this is the moment. So meeting at fourteen hundred, um, which I believe is like two AM. Right? No. No, no that's wrong. No, I have it backwards. It's 200. like two PM, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 2 p.m. The exe- so this was still the day before. There the executive order was given and they went over everything and there was no turning back. Like this was going down now um and when bush was told about the request for stealth uh, aircraft he replied with their american troops give them what they need which is just obviously like the most he knew that this was going to be written down type stuff so this began one of a huge airlift like an airlift that wouldn't be seen again to like you know desert storm and the invasion of iraq and afghanistan like these were huge airlift operations they used the c-130 the c141 Starlifter and the c5 um galaxies, galaxies which are cool i've seen one or two of them fly above they're huge yeah they're big
2: i've, I've mostly flown in c17s
1: and I'm like man that's a big airplane and then as soon as you I, see a c5 it's like jesus i Christ. was about to ask have you ever flown in the c130 or c141 yep uh
2: c141 was discontinued as a service before yeah. my time i think 10 or 15 years before i joined
1: all' see uh I've jumped out of c130s and c17s I know the c-17 is kind of like a smaller c5 um, I'm sorry it's
2: yeah. the same yeah. I think it basically replaced the starlifter I'm not sure how much like how, I, yeah. how close they are in size but it replaced that one's role basically
1: so f-15s and f-16s were deployed on air combat air Patrol kc10s and kc-134s flew refuel missions and more fl- flights flew recon and attack missions were f- began as well as E3's flying electronic operations and sky command
2: yeah i don't want to jump ahead if you aren't already mention this like the, this operation is unique in that like yeah it's like a big air invasion but they also already have territory y-
1: yeah so i do mention that actually like i'm about to mention that in demos i kind of want you to read this part because like as the soldier on on board you got to read it <laughs> Okay. You gotta, you gotta be the voice for your people here. (laughs) Oh oh, no! All right. In your fucking airplanes, honestly, I just like. I used to work in air museum, so like. I I don't know fuck about airplanes. I used to work in air museum. Anyway, so uh, here you go, Damus. That's your first one up in general. There. Like, say double check your writing first. Yeah. wait, hold on. I'm in the middle there. Yep, I see. Um, yeah, okay. There, I'm fixed it now. There we go all right <laughs> i did I, I wrote this script right, and I'm says sleep i <laughs> my, my best redneck soldier they're coming the ball game's at 1 a.m report to your units draw your weapons and prepare to fight were the words spoken by some of the troops already on the ground and allegedly overheard by the pdf units nearby really <laughs> Yeah. Damn. Hey guys, we're doing so, this. They just yell across the fence to the. the, the it's like kid, <laughs> <group>. <laughs> picture, like kids at a baseball game. All right, hey. guys, you ready for
0: the war? What? Hey, no, hey, now, you ready? wanna go home? Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Y- 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 y'all joke. Y'all joke. But there was an actual war in Central America called the Football War. Yeah. Oh yes, I know about the football. So uh... Uh, El-, El Salvador basically shot Garands over the border at Honduras for a few hours. Yeah,
1: so there, like I said earlier, Operation Nimrod Dan- Nimrod Dancer already had troops on the ground, um, mostly to keep from like local retaliatory strikes against the people who are already there and U.S. citizens. A big concern was a hostage situation. America had been really ba- embarrassed by the Iran situation, and they did everything possible to prevent it from happening again. So yeah,
2: it was also. Was it multiple helicopters and stuff pre-staged for some of the special operations missions? Yeah, that were due to occur. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't mention that, but thank you. So, um, the only other warning. So there was a few other warnings. I I'll be this troop. You know. So like I said, there was obviously like nearby. They could they didn't have an idea to what was gonna, gonna happen. You know, they expected something, but they were more kind of the general belief was. That there would probably be a smaller snatch and grab operation. Uh, another one was draw your weapons to get out to the airfield, start shooting when they come over, blow the runways. So they kind of were preparing for, you know, them to, you know, for their forces to start like attacking their own runways and stuff. So they were getting ready for a brawl on the ground. Um, the only other tip off was that CBS News had reported military airplanes flying from Fort, uh, from the fort they had left for- from and but they weren't sure where they were going and you know they weren't sure another sign that there might have been a breach of information was that there was radio signals that went to cuba possibly acting for asking for an interception assistance but it was never answered cuba was just like i don't want any of this shit.
0: Yeah, i don't want any of
2: this shit bro <laughs> they could hit us from florida bro <laughs> like bro i see all those airplanes in the air like, I, I,
0: I,
1: <laughs> I just imagine fidel's like standing at his house watching all those airplanes because he's fucked like, like their oh, phones God. ring
0: fidel's just like the phone's ringing he answers like oh yeah noriega estoy jugando baseball and the up <laughs>
1: <laughs> just like uh, it's like a assist in the background uh, Mr. Castro, your phone's ringing. Let it ring. Let it go to message. Don't fucking crush that phone.
0: Let it go. I'm playing baseball. Let's go. Let's get Just tell him I'm playing baseball.
1: <laughs> he's
2: out there on the, I guess, like, he's out there on the porch with the binoculars. Like, he can see the planes. Like, Man, oh,
1: there's a lot of planes. Like, ooh, glad that's not me. Yeah, they coming for us? Nope, they're driving So, by, uh, the only uh, other tip-off was an intercepted phone call between uh, someone, a U.S. official, and another official who lived... Uh, tonight's the night, uh, 1 o'clock is the time, get your kids off the street, make certain they're home the second, yeah, so that was kind of someone called, basically warning their friends, like,
0: hey, um, I can't say
1: what, but you might want to roll your windows up tonight and uh, sleep in your basement.
0: <laughs> it's 1am, it's 1am in Panama, do you know where your kids are?
1: <laughs> Could you imagine getting a phone clock at like night? phone c- clock? phone call at like 9, 8, 9 p.m. like you're just about to get in bed from like your friend you haven't spoken to in a while he's just like uh hey uh buddy um y- your kids make sure they're inside tonight and like uh do you have any flak jackets okay um well bar start barricading your doors and then hang up <laughs> what the fuck was that about it's like i guess he's off his meds and
0: like you wake up at 1 a.m to like gunfire yeah like, oh shit <laughs> That's what was that like, you,
2: you pull the blind you look and then you just close the blind <laughs> it's the
0: scene you, from. You get, a, you, get, you get a phone call at night it's a cryptic message it's <laughs> the ghost of teddy roosevelt is haunting the ghost of teddy roosevelt is haunting. <laughs> it's better yet though
1: it's like just you get uh you just like suddenly hear like oh god damn i've lost my train of thought oh yeah like better yet you just suddenly like that scene from vacation driving like roll them up kids as like an american lav starts <laughs> laying down fire so the thing is even though there were warnings for panama it's still believed they were expecting like a small special forces snatch and grab operation there's believe this There was kind of a cult of the special operations that had developed around the time this is mostly due to uh the iran the embassy siege in the em- not the embassy siege yes the em- iran embassy siege i believe yeah. in london and the Entebbe raid kind of led to this cold war period of like we only need a few good guys to deal with this so, yeah,
0: but like the America doesn't have something like SAS, the SAS, the, the SAS is just like brutal fucking assholes. Yeah, the US is still untrained in in this kind of. Oh, no, we this, had <laughs> we
2: had plenty of those guys by that
1: point. Yeah,
0: oh, oh did we? Okay, okay, listen,
1: I'm, I'm we just haven't had this. Is really the first use of lava special operations units outside of like Vietnam. So this is, like, a real first oh, for a lot of them. Was the, the failed Iran. Yeah, embassy. But, thing. yeah, that so they ha- they were 0 for 1 at this point, pretty much. Yep. So the PDF had around 1,300 uh, strong, um, but only of that, like, 4,000 were considered to be, like, actual combat troops. Because, like, even though an army is, like, this big, generally smaller percentage of that is the actual combat force because there are a lot yeah. of people are needed to support a military. Yeah, the ratio is generally, like, 10 to 1. For yeah support versus um fighters. and the most the pdf had in terms of like like the Panamanian defense forces in terms of like armor or like vehicles were like armored cars some inst- installations like anti-air missiles and stuff like that and like some anti-air guns but they weren't really like on par. like how- i'm trying to say this they weren't going to be like rolling T 72s in action or anything yeah, here. No, no,
0: no, no. No, yeah, all they... of the T 72s in Latin America were in Cuba.
1: Yeah. And they were T 55s.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, they had T 55. So that's, yeah. that is true. The U.S. forces. Uh, also, oh, sorry. They also. The, Cuba still also has some stewards. They have like three stewards in operation still. <laughs> really? World really? War II. Yeah. That's
1: kind of awesome. That's actually pretty cool. I would actually love. Um, so th- we do get to talk about some tanks later, but uh, we'll get into that. The U.S. did not deploy a lot of armor to this uh, operation because oh, it wasn't really yeah, ne- yeah, it yeah. wasn't needed. Like that's the thing. Yeah. So the U.S. forces consisted of the seventy-fifth Ranger Regiment, one hundred third and seventh infantry, as well as airborne operations by the eighty-second Airborne. Um,
0: ah, the eighty-second Airborne rearing their head again. <laughs> so uh, Damus,
1: are you aware of any of those units?
2: Uh, yeah, I served in one of those.
1: Yeah. Would you maybe like to explain, like, a ranger versus a normal soldier real quick before I dive into?
2: Rangers are just one tier of the U.S. military's special operations forces. They're basically infantry raiders. Like, they're the largest of the infantry special operations units. So they are, like, the the sledgehammer for doing, like, a lot of the operations in the Middle East and Afghanistan. And their big specialty is doing like, like we're the only we were the only unit big enough to do like airborne raids, like, which is seizing an airfield. And mm. this is one of the bigger ones for that because we see the Rangers were involved in two airfield seizures during this conflict.
1: Yes, and you're gonna tell us a little bit about those in a minute here, but I think because I think when we talk about like Rangers, like people are thinking like, why are you specifying between like Rangers and infantry? They're like infantry, but with a little bit extra steps, kind of, is how I generally. Um, so, in addition, there was at least six, the equivalent of five or six battalions worth, not like actual battalions, psychological warfare, SEALs, Navy fast boats, and Army special forces, as well as Air Force special operations units, which I'm guessing probably just means the helicopter pilots.
2: Oh, yeah, that's the 160th SOAR, which. Is the, uh, yeah, all the special... Are
1: those, like, what are they called? The Night Stalker dudes? Who have... (laughs)
2: They're the fly, all the cool little... The Little Bird helicopters. Yeah.
1: Cool, cool... One of the coolest names in the, uh, military, as far as I'm concerned. Like, Night Stalkers. Sounds like the name of, like, a death metal band.
2: One of the better named ones.
1: So the role of the, like, head assault was gonna mostly rely on the army, including the 7th, which was already there, and the marine units that would be landing, as well as uh, reinforcements and relief from uh, the 6th, the 7th and 16th military, the 7th Infantry and 16th Military Police. Because of this operation, they won military police specifically for the ability to be able to handle civil situations such as looting, the Dignity Battalions, as well as like suppressing any possible riots.
0: Uh, I mean, here's the thing, is that a lot of the polling for the invasion, like a lot of Places that pulled like support for the U.S. invasion of Panama found that a lot of Panamanians were uh, supportive of the U.S.
1: Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about where a lot of the criticism hits the pan uh, hits from Panamanians towards the U.S. and actually doesn't directly come from the invasion, but comes more for the aftermath of the invasion.
0: Like all, like all U.S. Yeah. Uh, operations comes so, after we kill everybody so actually damas we're coming up on
1: your second real quick but right. section so we'll start this operation was kicked off when f-117s started shaking the ground when their bombs hit the ground and the barracks of the 6th and 7th were alerted oh fuck shit's going down and this would lead to the a clashes between the pdf 75th rangers and 82nd airborne that would be one of the largest airborne operations since World War II, in terms of paradrops, That is, I should say, because there was some Vietnam.
0: Yep. And this would be the largest invasion until uh, <coughs> uh, after Vietnam.
1: Yeah, until like probably what Gulf One.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. Uh, so, demos do you want to tell us a little bit about this airfield battle? Um, I will.
2: I want to make one little pre-step and just talks back to the um. Taking advantage of the bases that we had in theater, was it that um the CIA agent we mentioned before? Yes, the dumbass, Mr. Cruz. One of the big operations was Delta Force was going to be sent in to rescue that guy, since we already had bases in town, like literally near the base, like like within helicopter range. They flew in little birds on their star. Uh, what do they call the the star? The 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 medium helicopter or the airplanes that you mentioned, I forgot the name of them already.
1: Oh, Starlifts. So the, Starlifts the C-141. The
2: so they brought in little birds to basically have them ready to go the moment things start. That uh, a full squad of a squadron uh, was what they call spe- like Delta forces. They call them squadrons, which is their like yeah. their their element to go rescue that guy. <laughs> and one of the funny things I I when looking at that was to basically to learn as much as they could about the airfield. Like the military is constantly flying helicopters from the training grounds like to the to the hospital that they use, which happen to fly over that prison, and so they would just be like, "Oh no, we got more injured, we gotta fly to the hospital and so Delta force members would just be on the helicopter, looking out the windows, taking notes,
1: yeah, and like multiple flying passes quick note things like the c5 c140 and c130 kind of played into because airlift was such a part of this invasion they chose a lot of vehicles to support that could fit in these aircraft like black hawk helicopters and these like little bird helicopters yeah little
2: birds can literally the airplane can land they can roll like they basically roll it out on a big dolly they stand the they rotate the blades out so they're ready to go and the pilots just turn them on and go yeah
1: yeah but anyway so yeah that was one of the operations i think you mentioned that that yeah they were basically able to kind of
2: went off without a hitch that one helicopter crashed but nobody like everybody but crews got hurt but they all managed to like take cover in a building and then they got rescued so it was not that big of a deal but that was still just
1: i thought that little bit was interesting as ideal as like having something go wrong could go that i feel like that's a good description it's like things go wrong but it goes right yeah, like thing went wrong because like they didn't they didn't know a power line was in one spot for their like the helicopter to
2: come in, land on the roof, grab the guys, and get out, and taking off they clipped it, and the helicopter just went down in the middle of a street or something nearby. Yeah, you know, like a civilian area, and so they were just were able to get away with that. So like they they thought for a minute that everybody
1: had died. Like there was a big like,
2: oh no! One of our like this rescue operation
1: failed. Yeah, but the really when know. a helicopter goes it's down, big. it puts a pit in in people's stomach. Especially a little bird because the way those are set up is you have the two pilot seats, and
2: then they put benches on the sides, and then you just like you wear a thing called a riggers belt, which has a quick release clip that clicks into the belt and will clip you to the aircraft, and that's the only thing holding the the Delta Force guys and that rescued dude
1: to the airplane yeah
2: the um helicopter. so so you're just out in the wind and
1: it's fun but it's <laughs> it can go bad yeah so uh the actual airfield assaults too right yeah. so and the u.s
2: <laughs> army 75th ranger regiment doing their major specialty seized or uh, went after two airports the first well they had the same time it was the Rio Hato airport which is the more famous one and then it was the Torrijos akuman airport which were the two regional airports that actually played into the previous coup attempts against Noriega is those were where reinforcements came in from both of them and helped like get him out of his, uh, cause I think he actually got captured for a minute.
1: Yeah. Denying him ability to escape was a huge part of, spe- like I'm going to talk about a brief section with Navy SEALs after this too.
2: Cause that was the main reason of taking the one, uh, the, the, Torrijos Airport and then Riojato was one that has the actual like military base on point. And going back to the C seventeens, they act and talking about how like this was meant not to be like super duper violent. Like they um the original idea for like the targets for the C seven or the F one seventeens was like, Well, we're gonna actually use these two thousand pound bombs as like they didn't wanna use them to just take out a building and kill a bunch of dudes because
1: that was one of the options was they could have dropped it on the barracks at this building. yeah like i said no, they we don't. they dropped it outside the barracks when i said they were alerted yep they um
2: they literally were like we didn't we don't want to do the thing that happened to the marines at that base in that
1: you mentioned before that one attack that were a bunch of the Barut. Ber- ber- cool. yeah where it killed like 300 <laughs> something people. it was a lot i looked it up i didn't write it down a lot about it, but it was a jar like it was actually kind of because sh- because it was also not a conventional bomb, it was basically an IED attack. Yeah. But that that was their thing, this 2,000-pound bomb, it'll level that fucking building. And they're like,
2: we don't want to do that, so we're actually going to drop this a couple hundred meters away from it, and we're going to actually set the fuse so that the shell's going to embed itself in the ground before it explodes. So basically they made a 2,000-pound concussion grenade, and those hit before, like, those were hitting the
1: ground... As the Rangers were coming in to get ready to jump out of the airplane. To, to demonstrate how good of a loyalist I would have been, I would have heard that and said, Okay, guys, we tried our hardest. I'm going home. Well, that was the thing. like It blew out all the windows, and everybody was like, What the hell just happened? Like,
0: Yeah, you're- yeah I'm a boy. I'm like, I'm going to go change my pants and go home. It's
2: like, what the hell just happened? Why is this happening? And then it was just like, okay, what? And then, oh shit! There's airplanes overhead. So, like, as that happened, do you were coming in to do a low-level airdrop.
1: Yeah, you were operation all on its own. Because you talked about the fact you've done some low-level, what or yeah, what's considered below the normal drop, like the 82nd and like most of the military.
2: The standard is like you jump at 1,200 feet for training. Like that's it. And then. Like now it's now for a like regiment we always okay we're gonna jump at eight hundred and fifty, nine hundred feet because you want the main thing with par like paratroopers are most vulnerable while they're in the air because you're a giant floating target. Like so you can got some guys with flak, machine guns,
1: pistols, whatever. Anybody in the air can take you out. And it's yeah. important to note that the Rangers were getting shot at as they were. Oh,
2: yeah. That um uh I I don't remember it wasn't um it was really hot so I feel like I'm saying that wrong, but oh, for some reason my entire life, I grew up thinking there was an l in there for some reason. I don't know why all right, but um like they as they were getting ready to jump out of the airplane, bullets were coming up through the bottoms of the of the aircraft at Rio Hato, and like a couple of the guys weren't able to jump because they they caught around in their legs or whatever as they were getting ready to jump out.
1: That's like literally like the opening of band of brothers, yeah, so like okay, going back before like
2: standard is twelve hundred regiment trains at like 850, 900. This jump was at 500 feet, which is so low that when you're doing a static line jump, which is where when you jump out of the airplane, you have a line connecting you to the aircraft that automatically pulls your chute after like four seconds. With with a 500 foot jump, that is too low to where if you don't feel the pull of your chute opening, you will not have enough time to pull your reserve chute on your chest and it will not oh be able to. Oh my god. You will not be oh able my to deploy. <laughs> Tyler, didn't you just go parachuting?
0: Yeah, I did. It That's better, intense.
2: though, because the, the, you have way
1: more control. This is different kinds of parachutes. So like, <laughs> yeah, free fall is way better than static. God, that sounds. I, 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 I am a firmly on the. My ass would be fine on the ground. I. You know if i was in this i'd i'd prefer to be on the desk somewhere in washington dc like if i had to be on the ground put me in the 7th infantry and put me next to an armored vehicle like i
0: Uh, see i'm the same way because like i am definitely afraid of heights like like uh i can't even climb rock walls because i'm so fucking scared uh like when i was a kid and i was like i was i traveled to like the pyramids of mexico i couldn't climb them i was terrorized because I'm like I'm so deathly afraid. The thought of jumping out of an airplane would would fucking paralyze me.
1: I'd be telling pilots, okay cool, everybody jumped, I'll go back with you guys. Where are you supposed to jump? Uh no, I'm the new uh what do you guys like have maintenance guys? Yeah, I'm the new ma- maintenance guy.
0: No hablo inglés. No hablo inglés <laughs> I'm actually
1: a Panamanian defector. Uh <laughs> yeah, you, you look a little Pennsylvanian. Hey, that's racist. <laughs> Yeah. One of the
2: uh one of the Rangers said as they were waiting to jump out of the door they could hear the ticking of bullets like hitting the bottom of the aircraft.
1: <laughs> Again, an extra layer of fuck that. No one shooting for from, from you from below on the ground. <laughs> I don't
2: want to jump out of this plane, but I also don't want to
1: see. Yeah, and I know you told me there were some unlucky jumpers too.
2: Yep, there was unfortunately one guy who didn't survive like his shoot didn't open. And after like after the battle was over and they were cleaning up the airfield looking for lost equipment and looking for guys they scraped him off the tarmac they they said they found this kid i can't it didn't say what he hit but he was dead they said he they found him dead with his reserve chute open but laying on his chest (laughs) it hadn't even gotten close that that is when he hit the ground
1: we talked about an episode ago a guy who jumped from like you know 1500 feet and his chute didn't open and it just S- sucks that it's like that guy lives hitting from like two like fifteen hundred feet, but this dude at like five hundred feet, his shoot fucks up and he's dead. With these static line jumps,
2: you gotta remember these guys are jumping with kit. So oh, so they're out. like they're extra weight, yeah, yeah. So I, the airplane. These parachutes are heavy on their own; they're like fifty pounds usually, something in that area. And then between your legs, you're <clears> carrying a rucksack, <throat> rucksack with another. 30, 40, 50 pounds. Some of the guys on this jump said they had like 100 pounds of gear and they had to have their friends help them up the ramp into the airplane to, to get into it and then on the way out they basically had to have the jump master which is the guy who controls the rate at which guys
1: get out of the airplane because you don't want stack lines to get too close together. You don't How to much when off, you jump with all cool. that shit are you just relying on adrenaline that can't carry you through? Oh,
2: it's, I mean like it becomes routine after all but still like a combat jump it's a thousand percent adrenaline. Like, I can't Mm. imagine, because I've never jumped into Yeah. That hasn't happened in the last 25-30 years. Yeah. But one guy actually had to have his friends push him, like, the jump master push him out the door, because the weight between his legs was too much. He couldn't actually jump out of the airplane.
1: Oh my god. God. Yeah,
0: that's a strong hell no from me. (laughs) Yeah. Um... You talk about, like, you talk about Kit, but, like, you know, like, after, like, the new guns that are coming out for the U.S. military... Are gonna be fucking mad. like they're gonna weigh like nine pounds with the suppressor. Well, that's so it's that's gonna be like Because things pounds. adjust
2: around that, the weight like will stay about the same. It's just stay about the same. Oh, things get lighter, which means you carry more of something. Like, this gets yeah. heavier, so you shift things around.
1: So <laughs> like, we're gonna be. It's like okay, good news. We have made them an, an exoskeleton that they can carry three hundred pounds without a problem. Cool. We'll make them carry four hundred. <sighs> yep, exactly. Like, okay. They normally they can carry that much. Add more. All right. Um. So yeah, continue on with your with- to the jump. The other thing,
2: okay, with um the Tuckerman Airport was there was supposed to be like no civilians at this airport. Yeah. Like it was like all right, this is supposed to be completely like this is the, everybody here is going to be a target. Like everybody's a bad guy, so like it's not like free range because again, they weren't trying... like there was a big mention in the notes for this like guys weren't trying to just murder. Like they were like guys let them like if they're going to run away, like if they're a threat, deal with them. If not, then that's something else. But, like this was like, oh no, a civilian airliner just landed, and there's there's going to be civilians at the airport.
1: yeah, that was so now at Packerman,
2: they're dealing with that, which it actually went well. there I didn't see anything where I saw anything reporting about civilian casualties, but it definitely like you turned into like, oh, I'm securing this this battleless this battlefield, and it's like, oh shit, there's five civilians, there's ten, there's fifteen, there's
1: twenty. like now they've got all of these people to deal with while also trying to and you know, like when you talk about to like you're moving forward on op- like military operations like i'm not an expert but i've like read a lot of like firsthand accounts from guys like d-day a big problem is they weren't taking prisoners on d-day because they had to move forward right away because the- otherwise they would have had to leave people behind to watch those prisoners and i assume the same goes like you have to have people watch these people yeah, you can't have just say- have
2: a detail doing that and a lot of those wouldn't be with that first wave of rangers because
1: you're not bring in those psychological interpreters and all that stuff. They were, and they were with like the military police and the relief yeah. part of the Seventh Infantry. They were in the second wave, which like you don't want any of that stuff. That's like those guys aren't infantry; they're not combatants to deal with this stuff at the same time. Being the U.S. military, though, I imagine there had to be at least a few guys who knew some Spanish.
2: See anything about that? But I did see like after they landed and started fighting at Pacoeman, like there were guys who, like immediately surrendered and like I can speak English, I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. so, so that's the thing with Panama is so the 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 PDF and Panama specifically, like the people who lived around the canal zone who were wealthy and could live around Americans did speak English. <laughs> Like, there were Panamanians that spoke English because they would probably join the PDF because of nepotism. Like, they'd be like, oh yeah, I have an uncle who who knows a guy who knows a guy, and I can get in the PDF and have a cushy desk job or whatever. They weren't expecting an actual U.S. invasion.
1: Yeah, um, was this where you one the, you sent me one of the things of, like, hey, you guys have five minutes to get at, or we're gonna, like... That yeah,
2: well, was the, um... I, uh, hold on, my notes right here. There were two things that stood out to me about Takuman that, like, still think i'm saying that wrong but let's talk about like like how like crazy it was like once they got into the airport like they're clearing into the airport while having this running gunfight with some of the panamanian pdf soldiers and then it's like oh there's a bunch of civilians here we got to get them out and move them out of the way and then fight these other guys those were those were international like those weren't panamanian civilians those were this was an international flight so they're like we got to make sure that they don't get hurt because that's going to cause this whole other mess of stuff and then the, this one was the, the the bathroom fight. Mm-hmm. There was a story mm-hmm. a, one ranger told like he saw they were trading shots with these two guys, and then they ran into the bathroom. I was like, all right, they're in that bathroom. We can breach this bathroom. So one guy preps a grenade. The other guy opens the door, goes to throw the grenade in. There's another door. Oh, he Immediately ah. freaks out and just chucks the grenade way down the hallway to get it away from him. And then it turns into this. Like they're peeking through the door into this tiny like two, three stall bathroom and then like one guy gets shot, and then the other guy gets drugged out of the room, and then they're just yelling at each other back and forth to surrender and the 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 PDF is yelling profanities and then the one guy shoots one guy in the shoulder. And then it's like apparently like was um Yeah, like they were it turned into this hand to hand like knife fight in in the bathroom that ended with one of the Panamanians dead from a gunshot, and the other one was thrown out of the second-story bathroom window that's,
0: that's to the tarmac That's what I call below. Friday night. That's what right. I call Friday night, a fistfight in the bathroom at 2 a.m.? Yeah. Like,
2: Amazing. And the guy that got thrown to the tarmac was immediately killed by another ranger
1: who was this on the This is, like, a fuck... Fr- Do you remember when we were watching Mosul and there was that scene where they, like, had the huge knife fight? That is what I thought of when you were telling me about this and when we were exchanging notes, was just, like, holy shit, I, like... You know, obviously I've never been in a fucking gunfight, but like, I can't imagine shooting at each other that close, not repeatedly hitting each other. And then the the idea, of I've always said this, I hate the idea of a knife fight because being stabbed seems so much worse because it's, oh God, that's the worst thing I've experienced. Oh God, here it it comes again because it didn't kill me the first time. It's way more brutal. Um, I
0: finally threw the dude out the window. (laughs) And then he got shot. They they cry. Hey, hey, that's not the worst thing that happened to a guy that got thrown out of a window before. True. <laughs> and the other
2: one from the same one was there was a, like one of the civilians who was like, or, or either he surrendered or he was a civilian who he could interpret. It was like, hey, we've got a bunch of PDF in this building, and they're like screaming that they've got uh, civilian hostages. And then like, like they were trying to talk with them and trying to figure out how they could sneak around them and shoot them through another room, maybe like just just figure out how many people were in the room. And then a ranger like climbed over. Like a wall in between the rooms and landed on a pdf guy which alerted them to being that like, they were trying to like come around like they're trying to flank him in this building in this room so he had to retreat out of that situation and then like the civilian affairs guys who finally showed up go in there to try and help him and then like the ranger just loses his shit and is like and then the quote is get the fuck out of here or i'm gonna come in there and kill all of you you've got five minutes and then they Jesus all surrendered. In like, and then they all surrendered in like three minutes later. I, Jesus.
0: I was gonna make a joke. So this guy hopped over the walls and was like expecting to it see was... like a goose goose of Juno that that saved Rome. This this this. They landed on a guy, and had to run away. It's amazing, yeah. It was, yeah.
2: It was super goofy. And that was just at the one airfield. I'm gonna keep this short because we're gonna... we're, we're getting on. Yeah, this might be three parts. Oh, God. The other airfield had some interesting stuff happen where another threat with being a paratrooper is there's power lines
1: around. There. Yeah, you don't have a lot of choice where you get the land, do you?
2: And with these older parachutes, you don't have a lot of maneuverability. You go where the wind or like I've seen guys get caught in a thermal. So you can like you can be coming down and then all of a sudden you're not descending anymore. You're just sitting in a thermal and you can stay up in the air for five, ten minutes.
1: Oof, that sounds like, like, like hell. I, I,
2: and like it's, it's kind of funny because you're just like everybody's just on the ground watching Like, is he but if you're also being there? shot at yeah in that case yeah it's terrible he caught power lines and like got tangled in these power lines it ripped the power lines loose enough that it shut off power that part of the airfield so the rest of his guys were able to land pretty easily he's like he caught fire while he was stuck in the air because it was sparking out and so he had to cut himself out of his rig and thankfully he was like like three feet above the ground i meant
1: to do that landed,
2: landed real easily <laughs> another guy unfortunately paral like again dangers of jumps he hit hard enough that it paralyzed himself like oh, that's god. another problem like you can land weird like that's how my back got messed up is i landed weird once and i herniated two discs
1: and it's been just a lifelong issue but this guy got oh my god and then you said there was a another guy got hit by a truck right Oh, yeah, like, this, again, parachute
2: trooping is so fucking dangerous. Like, there was another guy caught a tree off to of the side, which happened to be above a outpost for, like, it was just a little, like, gun hut, like, a little perimeter hut. And they heard noise above him, so they shot up through the thatch roof, and, like, him just, like, freaking out, like, he had his vest on underneath his parachute rig that had, like, grenades and stuff, so he pulled a grenade and just dropped it on top of him, and then it dealt
1: with him, and then he had to climb down a tree... And get his gear. I I another do. That's like a Call of Duty ass moment, like dropping your grenade straight down. Yep. Another guy. Was it another dude? This was the guy who uh, who mentioned that he had
2: a hundred pound rucksack. Mm-hmm. He, went, he said, "I landed on the tarmac and hit my elbow pretty hard. I got out my gun, laid behind my rucksack, which was full of ten pounds of C four, four <laughs> grenades, five hundred rounds of five six, and a claymore. And then I realized, why am I using this for cover? Am I stupid or what?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm using this thing that's going to explode.
1: The forbidden pillow. Oh my god. Yeah. And then And then the last guy we're talking about
2: was this dude landed as like by this point all hell's breaking loose. This like Halto Airport was a like there were gunfights all over the place. There were like it wasn't like a clear line of like guys fighting in one direction. It was just mini firefights everywhere. And then the one guy he landed. A truck came driving through because these dudes are trying to haul the hell out and get out of there. It caught his parachute before he could disconnect his shoulder releases, and started dragging him.
0: Oh no! Like,
2: <sighs> while he's on his back, thankfully he's got his parachute on and his gear, so he didn't get messed up from that. So he ends up event like he's getting drugs like I think it was like 150 200 meters before he was able to cut himself free and then he had to get up and then walk back down the airfield pick up his rifle his helmet
1: and his his rucksack on sailed it, a yard sailed him that's it i hate to off. know that that's enough time that he was probably thinking of himself the like how comical this would probably be if it was happening to anybody but him the, like, imagery of just being, like, drugged behind this truck, like, I imagine laying on his back and, like, watching all of his shit be left behind. And wasn't there another guy who got, like, shot and, like, somehow survived?
2: Oh, oh yeah, I've got two more stories about this and then I'm good.
1: Yeah. The, um, the one
2: guy, like, again, showing how just, how random and hellish this firefight was, he land, like, he land on the, <laughs> the house airport, there was, um, I can't, is Elephant Grass? I think is what it is down there. Yeah, it was real tall grass, so eight guys are trying to get out of this grass and regroup, so it was just a mess. And then, like, this guy, up two guys start shooting at him. He sees a ditch to his right. He jumps down in the ditch, and he says he immediately feels a sharp pain in his back. He jumped down beside some PDF guys who immediately shot him. Like, as they—and sh- like, and this is how uh, I kind of fucked up these PDF guys. This was the, uh— Oh,
1: which unit did I say it was? Was the, the sixth? Uh, no, the two thousand were the ones that the 000. Navy SEALs. This is the sixth. Oh, okay, yeah, they who like were the believed to be heavy. the ones. Real quick, they were the ones who be- that executed that guy by via beheading. They cut the dude's like patches off his arm, off his uniform
2: <laughs> that say Rangers and stuff, and then like start stealing his other shit, and then the guy shoots him in the head and then puts the bandana that was the signifier of his unit around his rifle as, like, a signature. Like, who's... You're in the middle of an invasion and you're, like, doing this nonsense. Like, that Mm kind of shows how A, mentally messed up these guys are. And B, that guy survived because he was wearing a Kevlar helmet and the bullet didn't go all the way through. Yeah, that's... The The helmet slowed down the bullet so it didn't... Like, it cracked his skull, but it didn't actually penetrate and mess up his brain. And, like, they found him, like, four hours later, like, barely conscious, and they were... He was... He survived. Which is wild.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, in this
2: on a better note, like, one of the big things with airborne caesars is you gotta get stuff off the airfield because you gotta clear the runways because they'll park trucks and stuff on there, vehicles, bulldozers, they'll pile dirt up. Anything that can stop landings. Uh, like, like like you mentioned, get ready to blow the airfields. A lot of people don't want to blow airfields so like because we need those airfields. So, yeah. piling stuff on them is the best way to get around it. But... In this case, like, after they had secured it, like, oh, man, guys are thirsty, guys are hungry, the, the refill and refit stuff's coming slow. So they commandeered some dude's Mazda RX-7 and gave it to a
1: lieutenant whose job was to just drive around the airfield in a Mazda RX-7. <laughs> I love that idea. Does anybody know how to drive a Mazda? Lo- a second lieutenant? Ooh, I got one! Like, you, go-
0: you know how to drive a stick?
1: Just, like, the dude who, like, tricks out his, his, like, car that just sits in the parking lot all day, raises his hand. So, another airfield operation that went a little more sideways than this. Uh, so, during the raid operation, a group of Navy SEALs uh, would go sideways. Uh, their mission was to take out Noriega's personal plane. So, their original mission was to basically call in a strike or hit it from a distance with a rocket. Because they expected to be on the airfield ready to take off. But it wasn't. It had been moved inside so they had to get on the airfield and move closer to destroy it and once they got on the tarmac they instantly became p- pinned down by pdf forces without cover in the open they would they weren't even able to raise their heads to return fire four died during this operation um and I actually I will note one of these guys cuz i like i don't mean like I, I this guy his actions were fairly heroic i so don was one of the dead would receive the they uh the Navy Cross and Purple Heart post, uh, post uh, after his death for his actions trying to tend the wounds under fire of his uh, teammates. Uh, he also used his body to shield one of his own, and that's how he died. The USS McFowl is a U.S. Navy ship named after him.
2: And <laughs> yeah, stupid operation that but...
1: it like, could uh, we me and you talked about it's right. like it was. They're, they don't know why the the give reason given is they need like a visual confirmation it was destroyed but it seems like an airstrike like of the times to use an airstrike i get they were trying to limit casualties but like that seemed like such a bad option
2: and that's the thing like at rio alto rangers had ac-130 gunships
1: yeah and they did disable the plane with a shoulder mounted law rocket and 40 millimeter grenade launchers
2: like they had like one of the things that came out of that like the after action reviews was the rangers did real good use of the using the spookies or specters to blow stuff up and Mm -hmm. like limiting damage like they were able to like do precise fires with it so um seals had one too and they didn't use it yeah so um
1: yeah, it, it, there were notes saying that this should have been a ranger operation. Like, yeah, um, and like I said, we don't know a ton about Delta's operation, but it's presumed they were hunting for Noriega as well as disabling other facilities like this, and yep. you know, grabbing other people who were loyal to him. Delta, unlike the seals or rangers, are really secretive, and not a lot is written about them.
2: You use the Navy SEALs when you want someone to actually take all the publicity for some bullshit. You know why they. Turned in jits who constantly talk yeah. about who pretended they killed Osama bin Laden.
1: So the conventional forces, and this, is, and we're almost done with the episode. And I think I will we'll be able to cram this all in one episode because there's going to be a lot of stuff cut out. So conventional forces, Seventh Infantry began their assault against Eighth PDF uh, Rifle Company. Also, so a thing to note, like when I say like Eighth PDF, these are companies, like they're very large U.S. forces going up against much smaller forces, like. They so like this is fire superiority, number superiority, and what kind of seems like training superiority points going up against for, forces that were cheaply funded there on legacy, and not prepared for this at all.
0: Yeah, so I mean a lot of the like the the standard arm of the fucking PDF is like the AKM. If you're lucky. Other yeah, no, and 45. or an M sixteen.
1: Like there's cases of like yeah, M sixteen yeah, FAL stuff like that. Chinese rifles. Um,
2: it's a dictatorship, so you don't want a strong military that can... Overcome.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the 7th Infantry assaulted... Uh, their their target was a power distribution center and a naval fort, and they would overwhelm that as well. They got in gunfights with the naval forces there as well. Marine forces of Task Force Semper Fi, uh, a marine oh, mechanized unit took the... Took the urban neighborhoods around Howard Air Base, driving out PDF because Howard Air Base was one of our before, a- areas. So they they wanted to drive PDF forces as far away as possible, and the this is where a lot of, like the heavy urban combat took place. Like this was some brute, like some of the accounts were brutal. Like yeah. I I read one source that like a dude took a rocket, to, uh, an enemy dude took a rocket to the chest, basically just like running out of cover. Like there was just a lot of like. Holy shit! What'd you say, Tyler?
0: I said, "Oh dear lord!" Not, not the rock. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. pdr oh, forces.
0: Father.
1: Um, how Howard Airbase was driving up PDF forces. Uh, Task Force Bayonet, uh, Bayonet, a combined infantry task force with armored Sheridan tanks, had two objectives: take Fort Arm Ar- Armada, which was located in the urban areas, leading to brutal urban warfare. The unit did, did have armor, armored and helicopter support, but they also had to protect a U.S. embassy, which had received RPG and mortar fire from the PDF. You know, like, obviously you had, like, there, it doesn't, I didn't find anything about casualties at the embassy because, you know, usually those embassies have, like, shelters and stuff for people in them. The fifth rifle company of the PDF held out until 10, 1029, uh, when they finally surrendered uh and those were so this is like all those forces uh they surrendered after taking some losses not a lot of losses but you know it's just you have like if you're a small unit already of a hundred guys and three are killed and several more injured you're gonna and you know you're outnumbered you're gonna surrender
0: yeah they they obviously don't have the highest morale yeah
1: this isn't the sixth and seventh these aren't the elite these are just guys like these are Like they're enlisted, but like their loyalty isn't hardcore enough that they're in, like, you know, Unit 2000 that the SEALs took on. These are not that these guys are going to fight, but they're not, you know, their morale will wane a lot faster. So the PDF's 8th and 7th linked up, as well as some dignity brigades to protect the PDF headquarters. Uh, They'd actually managed to shoot down two American helicopters, as well as force a third to ditch over the Panama. However, fire from Sheridan tanks and Apache Hellfire missiles. Uh, which Thinner claimed could fire through a window uh, led to the PDF to surrender the building. And I want to take a put, so we haven't really talked about ROE yet, which is rules of engagement. It's known that the bombardment with artillery against buildings and urban centers was heavily restricted. Uh, like I said, they're street uh, seeking hearts and minds, so the idea was to diminish civilian casualties and casualties in general as much as possible a two-star commander had to permit any kind of artillery file and only stinner could permit like any bombing runs so yeah, yeah yeah
0: so they're 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 trying real hard not to kill nobody
1: yeah and we can talk we'll talk about that when we get to the aftermath uh so after the headquarters of the pdf was seized the PDF and other force and, you know, like the Dignity Brigades started like becoming incredibly disorganized because they were all centralized and being command out of there. The You know, the conventional for- forces focus became clearing out PDF Loyalist and, you know, taking down the Dignity Brigades because, you know, the Dignity Brigades were like, they were hardcore Loyalist militia. Clashes at air, so this is what I talked about. Clashes at airfield pursued by, uh you know, Paradrops were used to you know you know some of these guys took on as dame talked about fire uh and then of course there was the you know gun battles with with battalion 2000 uh which also took on pacific task force which was the task force coming in from the pacific side so this is a speech bush gave after the uh oh yeah so the last thing the largest problem in urban areas was uh The roaming bands of dignity battalions which had now become bandits and they were looting and assaulting locals like there's one there's a i read a thing it was i think a time pictures that made me which is a picture of a marine medic or army medic who was trying to protect civilians that were being shot at by the uh dignity battalion forces yeah a lot of dignity they're shooting at people right Bell- the,
0: the the United States would never do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I mean I'm not I'm not trying to make us seem better, but like you know it's like right wing organizations in general are like yeah, this. Like they're, <laughs>
0: they're just a bunch of, of like black shirts. Like uh they're just a bunch of, like, fucking, basically black shirts who just run around stealing from people.
1: And So this is Bush's speech he gave the morning after fellow citizens last night I ordered the U.S. military force uh, to Panama. For nearly two years, United Nations, of Latin America, and the Caribbean have worked together to resolve the crisis in Panama. The goals of the United States have been safeguarded, the lives of Americans to defend democracy in Panama and combat drug trafficking and protect the integrity of the pa- the panama canal treaty many attempts have been made to resolve the crisis through diplomacy and negotiation all were rejected by dictator of the panama Manuel a noriega and indict and indicted drug trafficker last friday noriega declared military dictatorship to sorry declared the military dictatorship to be in a state of war with the united states and publicly threatened the lives of americans in panama the very next day before forces under his command shot and killed an unarmed American serviceman wounded another beat a third serviceman then th- then threatened his uh, his wa- his wife with sexual abuse that was enough general noriega's reckless threats and attack upon americans created an imminent danger to the 35,000 american citizens in panama as president, I have no higher obligation than to save, save save the lives of American citizens, and that is why I directed our armed forces to protect the lives of American citizens in Panama and bring in and bring General Noriega to justice in the United States. I took I took this action only after reaching the conclusion that every avenue was closed and the lives of American citizens were in grave danger.
0: And remember, listeners. Keep in mind, the United States caused.
1: All- yeah, like we, like we were working with Noriega yeah, originally. We we put him there. Yeah. So during the raid, an operation, a group of. Oh, yeah, I talked about this. Um, yeah, like I said, McFowl's sacrifice. I do. I took note of it because put his body on. He like he literally put his body on the line for his own guys, and I think there's something admirable about that. And I think it's worth noting that he made that sacrifice on December twenty second, uh, present. Uh, president adorno uh absolved the pdf so the pdf was no longer a legal force of the panamanian they would later be replaced by the yeah they would later be replaced by the public force which was similar but more organized and kind of a very abolished version of the military they had which is what people had been demanding for years at this point on december 24th A group, of it's 23rd, a group of dignity patrols were approached at, you know, a battalion of U.S. soldiers. They waved a white flag, um, then ambushed the soldiers. Uh, Paratroopers, however, were able to regroup and kill several of the dignity battalion, driving them off.
0: Oh, and, okay, and did idiots. you look up? Did you look up the thing? So, did you know the the Digny Battalions had patriotic names because they weren't actually part of the military? Yeah, like there were there were the Christopher Columbus Battalion and oh the, the the Arch, the the Saint Michael the Archangel Battalion.
1: Yeah, so some Smithsonian employees were captured, but were found unharmed after they were quickly abandoned by PDF forces. Um, it was believed one of the lesser PDF battalion uh, companies had captured them. Uh, they were taken to Fort Clay and then brought home later. On December twenty fourth, happy Mer- Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. Noriega was located taking refuge in the Vatican City embassy. Uh, Task Force Green and MPs guarded the perimeter under the order to not let Noriega escape. The Vatican proved to be difficult, claiming they weren't treating him as an asyl- uh, with asylum, but as a refugee of war.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, you you didn't let me do this. Enter the Catholic Church. Yes. The beautiful Catholic Church under Pope John <laughs> just, Paul
1: that Benedict. just couldn't make a good decision, like a good decision. So this led to the best part of this episode, the psychological warfare part. So, they have an issue. There's a guy in a building and he won't get his ass out here. So, do you know what they did? They played rock and roll, and I and here's the best thing: I have the playlist. I have so I have the playlist. And Demos, I feel like you can speak. You gotta tell me that the moment they said we need some annoying music to drive them out, a commanding officer said, "I have like six E4s who could do this." Um, so that one So this is about six hours and twenty minutes worth of music. You've got another thing coming. Fifty ways to leave your lover. All over but the crying. All I want is you. Big shot. Blue collar man. Born to run bring down the hammer change cleaning up town dancing in the street danger zone dead man's party don't look back yeah. don't fear the reaper don't close your eyes feel a whole lot better cry for freedom freedom ghost riders in the sky give it up i'm gonna tear your playhouse down guilty hang him high hanging tough heaven's on fire hello it's me helter skelter i fought the law i if i had a rocket launcher. In My Time of Dying, Iron Man, It Keeps You Running, Judgment Day, Jungle Love, Just Like Jesse James, Mayor of Simpleton, Midnight Rider, Mr. Blue, Naughty Naughty, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Ashley, (laughs) which, how many times do you have to hear that before you would surrender?
0: Start crying at the second time they play (laughs) Welcome to the Jungle.
1: Never tear us apart, (laughs) no particular place to go, no more Mr. Nice Guy, no obelisks hair of the dog nowhere man nowhere to run one-way ticket panama by van halen (laughs) paradise by guns N' roses paranoid patience poor little fool prisoner of the highway refugee renegade rock and a hard place run to the hills run like hell screaming for vent shot a big posse she got a big posse shot in the dark stay hungry taken into the streets party's over the race is odd the pusher the long arm of the law star spangled banner the Jimi hendrix version secret of my success they're coming to take me away this means war time is on my side too old to rock and roll voodoo child wait for you my friend wanted dead or alive war pigs we didn't start the fire which i once and i would be out there and praying for a serviceman to shoot me we gotta get out of this place. Por favor, no más. <laughs> who, who will you run to? You said me. Yeah, you shook me all night long. You hurt me. You got lucky. Your time is gonna come. Youth gone wild.
2: So they literally just walked up to the first E4 like, <laughs> give me all your tape.
0: Give me, give me <laughs> fucking <laughs> mixtape, bro. <laughs> just give me all your, they
1: they just can. grabbed his walkman, took it, and said, play this. To the be pi- honest, they could have done worse. Yeah. Say, there's a lot
2: of bangers in there. there. Yeah, there are a couple bangers in there.
1: So How long I did it mean, took like, him up- to break. Under the- it took him a few days. Um, I, I didn't. He, sur- he So this started on the twenty fourth. He surrendered on the January the third. And I did the math. He would have had to hear it. We didn't start the fire, and never gonna give you up at least twenty two times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see, the problem is this playlist is like too long.
1: I would have just
0: done. Wait, (laughs) if it was like three songs, if it was like three songs, (laughs) songs, I believe I would cry. Yeah, like a six-hour playlist, I can put up with that for a couple days. And as did Noriega. I'm like, all right, whatever. (laughs) Uh, New
1: podcast challenge: We lock Tyler in a room and blast music at him for several.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Noriega challenge. Everybody, let's do the Noriega challenge. We yeah, we lock Tyler in a a Catholic church. <laughs> and, uh, and we play the same song until he begs the priest to do mass <laughs>
1: never, never get again yeah. and that's all we can sing before we get a copyright strike um noriegus Spotify. oh yeah i'm good then that's amazing yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that's how i've i'm going to give you up Never gonna give you up, Padre. Por favor, 96 hours and 28
2: minutes. The playlist that broke Manuel Noriega.
1: I I just imagine the first, like, you realize Noriega for the rest of his life in prison just had george bush (laughs) like he i probably had the fucking we didn't start the fire so i have a bit of personal history in my senior year of high school for a history class we did do a project where we listed every fucking thing that happens in that song (laughs) oh no and our teacher would play that song twice a day every day in class
2: it's like working at Walmart where they have the same show on it,
0: it, So, I had actually in high school had a pop culture class, and everyone would pick a song from the 80s to like do a, a project on. And me being a fucking nerd mm-hmm. uh, found the only other person that wanted to do Non nonzig Luft.
1: Oh, yeah, that's it. Anyway, so um yeah, I think I, uh, 22 times of hearing that song would have driven me mad.
0: See, the problem is, yeah, is that it's too long. Um, yeah. But it would have driven Once me to six days. hours. I, I'm assuming they played, it so, in order nor- they played it in that order and didn't shuffle it. <laughs> I yeah, know. I don't know. I, I guess so. Because, what, like, what if they just played like- one song. <laughs>
1: for six hours at a time and then changed to a new yeah so noriegas hold on i I need to finish this episode (laughs) Noriega swore he couldn't hear the music but the nuns and priests swore otherwise (laughs) he made a deal to give himself up for the safety of his family which the u.s guaranteed like we're not monsters uh that he not in this case that he so he'd be sentenced 40 years in prison and would serve 30 because he got a brain tumor uh and he was like let out for basically to have that g he received charges for murder drug trafficking and other crimes he had his time run out on him uh he died at 82 in 2017 because fucking evil am i right jesus christ yeah and if you find his grave may redact this if i could say it, fucking take a shit on it and run hell you little pineapple face dipshit
0: yeah, Panama Panama would find him guilty of murder in 1993, and they would have to ask France to extradite him back to Panama.
1: Yeah, there's a, some of the articles I found about the Panamanian pers- perspective. He died in Panama, so I guess so. So I think some Panamanians wanted him executed. So as for Panama, it continued to be an ally with the United States to this day, though not perfect. During the invasion, five hundred civilians were killed by both PDF and U.S. forces, as well as assaults from the Dignity Battalions. The U.S. is often blamed for not paying the reparations for the deaths caused by the invasion, as well as not rebuilding buildings they damaged and or d- destroyed during the invasion.
0: Plastic. Oh, oh, you, 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 you also missed the one part, like the the fucking uh, papal the papal like priest of the time, Monsieur Laboa. He swears up and down that it was actually him who convinced Noriega to surrender and not the music because uh, while, while the music was playing, he was like telling Noriega to surrender and then on the day of the third, he did a mass where he talked about St. Dismas. Yeah, is, so... Any, anyone here, a scholar, know who St. Dismas is?
1: No. Nope. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a Saint, wee little Jew
0: boy. St. <laughs> Saint, Saint Dismas is the penitent thief, the one who swore next to the cross with jesus that he would be that he would be uh forgiven and that he was sorry for stealing yes so fun fact about
1: noriega he also claimed that he prayed and became a changed man at the same thing i kind of find this bullshit because he kind of in in later interview a journalist had with him he kind of bragged about some of the shit he did so i doubt he was a changed man his daughter is now involved in panamanian politics i don't know enough about the party she's a part of to tell if that's a good or bad thing
0: it's usually bad, Are he reproduced?
1: yes, he had children yeah, he, had
0: three, he, had, he had three daughters, official daughters.
1: yes, yeah. there's yeah, um, and probably some bastards running around somewhere. so there's a great saying that you know, Noriega started the invasion surrounded by prostitutes and ended surrounded by nuns. King Noriega. so this has been oh, the invasion oh. of Panama
0: <laughs> the inv- the, the longest second episode in- on record, the yeah, second invasion of Panama. Do you think that a uh, pound
1: of c4 might have been overkill no i do think it's weird because as far as this invasion being justified historically wise we put noriega there but i do think it was justified to remove him and also like we said panamanians supported this move i think that is fully on the us that noriega was in that position of power in the first place I have the same take, the Ukraine situation. There were steps that could have been taken as far back as 2014 to prevent what was happening today. But now we have to deal with what's going on and we have to deal with it in ways that are a little more intense than we'd like.
0: See, this is where I, I dissent with the podcast opinion. <laughs> the U.S. invasion and any U.S. invasion should never happen. No, the US, like... The U.S. is at fault for all of this.
1: Yeah, no, that's I think that's why I'm saying it is if i was looking at the invasion by itself i'd say it's justified like if we had nothing to do with any of this but we caused everything that led to noriega creating these death squads getting the training he did getting into the position of power he did like that's important the united states created
0: the spanish
1: wait what yeah we've had time machines to create the spanish empire uh well on that note um we have been the outliers i've been mclean uh do you guys have anything you want to plug if not you know well we've been the outliers have a good one everybody